Hallelujah. Thank you. I'm so glad you're with us this morning, watching by way of internet. We thank you for being a part of service this morning. And my heart, our heart is that you would experience God in a special way today, that you'd be equipped by his word in such a degree that you would leave this place and that you would go and engage yourself and influence the world around you. That's what we're about as Heritage of Faith. We're about a house of faith, a house of prayer, a place of glory, a people of influence. We're about making winners in life. God visited Miss Carolyn 21 years ago and said, there's hurting people outside these walls. I want you to love them for me. Amen. Love them for me. And our prayer and our heart is, whether you're here or watching, that you would experience the love of God in an amazing way. Everything we have need of is found in his love. The love of God is the glory of God. Amen. Where would we be without the love of God today? Where would each one of us be without the love of God? Amen. You know, I had such a lot of great testimonies, you know, from last week, the healing service we had. And, and um, if, you, you've, if you had a testimony, I want to encourage you to make sure you, you write that down. You email that to us, to testimonies at heritageoffaith.com. Uh, we're, we're keeping track of testimonies, things that we can, we can send out to other people to encourage their faith. Amen. Thank you, Father. Had one report that uh, someone had come up uh, on Sunday evening and, and they were supposed to go to the doctor the next day and go in. They were supposed to have a, a stent put in. And when the doctor went in, they said there was no blockage and there was no need for a stent. Amen. So praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Annette was healed. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Were you touched by God last weekend? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Six months ago, we have a, a back modular building and some of we use for classrooms and use it for different events and different things that we have. And, and we use a couple rooms for storing holiday things and other storage. Um, you know, sometimes we, we just don't have enough. You never have enough storage, right, Joseph? You know, it's like trying to find things where we need. We might use that later. We might need this. And, you know, and um, this was about six months ago. I was um, back there and I was moving some stuff out and... Um, I looked to the right as I walked out of the room, and, and, uh, and this, this bench was, this altar bench was in there. This is actually a bench the, that was here. Uh, we purchased the church um, back in 1994, uh, and it, we weren't, at that time, going to have a church. It was mainly to establish a Bible school, and we've had, we had you know, 1,500 students that came for that period of time that we had the on-site Bible school. Now we have a correspondence school. And, and so this was a, a Baptist church previously and, and we, we acquired it. And, and so these, these benches were actually in there and these were altar benches. And, and even up until we remodeled this, this, this room, you know, we had the, we, we had a stage that kind of had, was, had angles this way and it went across the front and it had a couple steps and, and these altar benches, one were on the, on the, on the sides. And, and I can say, you know, I, I experienced God at that altar bench. As I was walking out of that room that day, I, I, I glanced to the right and, and I saw the altar bench and I went over and I sat down on it and, and, um, and the presence of God came all over me. And I, I was like, Lord, what, 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 what are you doing? He said, I, I want you to teach. I want you to pastor your people on the importance of altars. 
And so this morning, you know, I just finished a, I think, 14-week series on prom- I Promise. And, and so this morning, I'm going to start talking about altars. Now, I, what I don't want to establish in your heart is the only place you can experience God is at this apparatus. That's not the point of this. Yes, I want this altar place to be sanctified. I, I want it to be set apart to be a place where you can experience God. But you have to understand, an altar is, is, is anywhere you choose to make him Lord. An altar is a place where you choose to surrender. Now, Annette, you know, she went through something in her life and back in, uh, I believe, 2005. And, and, and when she came and was visiting the church, she, she knew that she, her desire, she didn't even remember what was preached that day, but she knew she wanted to go to the altar. And as she came to the altar, she was ministered to, and there was something that was spoken, there was something that was said that totally changed her life. An altar. There's over 400... Uh, scriptures that deal with altars within scripture. And not all of them are, are negative. There's sometimes, there's altar, some altars we need to burn. <laughs> and there's some altars we need to build. Altars are a place of faith. Altars are places of consecration. Altars are a place where you receive direction and wisdom for next seasons of your life. So whether it is down here at the, the front of the church or in your, on the side of your bed, I want you to understand that you need to understand the importance of what altars you're establishing, what altars you're surrendering to. Because, because the, the, your, your ability to sacrifice and surrender to God, it will be the very thing that produces your significance in your life. Altars are places of sacrifice that produce significance. Like I said, I don't want to make, make this a religious relic, but I under, want you to understand the importance of what it means to be sold out to our Lord and King. And what happens when we choose to create a place. Now, I'm, I'm going to say a few more things and I'm going to have, I want a song to be sung before we get into this. But if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 8. Great significance is birthed out of great surrender. I, I, I mean, I, I'm getting that a little bit later. But. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 20, this is actually the first place where we see the word altar. But I believe that, you know, there was an altar established when Adam and Eve fell in the garden because God had to sacrifice an animal and clothe them. I, I believe there was an altar established with Cain and Abel. You know, on what they gave to God. So I believe there's other instances, but this is actually the first instance where the word altar is used. And there's something in hermeneutics or whatever you want to call it, is, is the law of first mention. And it means when the first time you see something mentioned in the, mentioned in the Bible... It is, it's called the Genesis effect, meaning the first time that you see this in the Bible, you're going to see a general theme throughout Scripture that establishes that point. And so this is the Genesis of the word altar, and it says this in verse 20, it says, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and he took of every clean beast and every clean fowl, and he offered burnt offerings on the what? The altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord 
The Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more evil thing, every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains... Seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. And then verse 1 of chapter 9. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. It's amazing on the other side of Noah coming to an altar, bringing a great sacrifice, brought about great significance. This is 2021. This is for us as a church what we've been standing on. This is a year of overflow. Right? Yes, sir. Dr. Phil said last week that this year is a year of God's unprecedented goodness being poured out. Meaning, meaning I haven't experienced something quite like this. And I believe a lot of times us experiencing significant and greater things. Come, to, come about choose, depending on what altars we're building. What altars and things that we're sacrificing. And today, as we begin, and the Lord spoke to me on that day when I first sat there. He goes, Justin, I want you to first establish and talk about that altars are a place of mercy. Altars are a place of mercy. Can you say that with me? Altars are a place of mercy. The altar. It's a place of mercy. <laughs> Thank you, Father. The altar, it's a place of mercy. Go to Exodus chapter 40. And you can also turn to Exodus chapter 33. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for revealing your word to us today, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. In Exodus 40, verse 6, it says, You shall set the altar of the burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. Now let's look at verse 26. And he put the golden altar of incense in the tent of meeting before the veil. So here there's two different particular, talking about the tabernacle, there's two different distinctive altars that we see in the, in the tent of meeting. One outside and one inside. Now let's go to... Exodus 33. Now I'm establishing some of these things because it's what I'm going to build on in weeks, in weeks to come. But this is important. And you're like, well, pastor, that's Old Testament. Well, just, just hold on. Hold, hold on. We'll, we'll get there. Exodus 33, verse 7. Now I'll read this in the Amplified. And it says, now Moses used to take his own tent and pitched it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. Of God with his own people, and everyone who sought the Lord went out to that temporary tent of meeting which was outside the camp, 
When Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people rose and stood, every man at his tent door, and looked after Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the door of the tent, and the Lord would talk with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud stand at the tent door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man at his tent door. And the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Now it's interesting that we see in Exodus 40 that, that God is establishing the, 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 the tent of meeting. But if you go back to verses chapter 29, 30, 31, he's already talking about this tent of meeting that, that Moses had. So I don't want you to stand that, that, that what we just talked about, this altar of burnt offerings and then the altar of incense being something that wasn't established already. It was something that was already established here. And so, so we have to understand Moses understood this aspect of an altar. And so before he went into the tent, we know that he had to establish some sort of altar. There had to be some sort of sacrifice before he went in. So before he went in there, when he's at the door of it, what happened? The presence of God was there. And what happened? God talked to him face to face. You see, it's only through your sacrifice, you will hear a significant voice. And we'll get into some of those things in future weeks, but, but I want to establish this. Let's go down to verse 14. And the Lord said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses said to the Lord, if your presence does not go with me, do not carry us up from here. Meaning I'm going to require your presence. Meaning your presence is the only thing that brings change to me. Your presence. For by what shall it be known that I and your people have found favor in your sight? Is it not you going with us so that we are distinguished, I and your people, from all the other people upon the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that you have asked, for you have found favor, loving kindness, and mercy in my sight. And I know you personally by name. And Moses said, I beseech you, show me your glory. It's interesting, he's in God's presence, but yet he still says, show me your glory. See, Moses realized that he was not enough in himself. He recognized that he would always be limited in his own strength and always be limited in his own ability. That's why he had to come to the tent of meeting. That's why he had to come to an altar. That's why he had to come to the altar because he needed to meet with a God face to face. And he says, God, show me your glory. Verse 19 says, and God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord before you. For I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy and love and kindness on whom I will show mercy and love and kindness. But he said, you cannot see my face. For no man can see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place beside me and you shall stand upon a rock. Now let's go to chapter 34. Verse 5. And the angel descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by him. Now now what, what God just spoke to him is now happening. 
And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful. Say that, God, a God merciful. And gracious. Slow to anger. Abundant in loving kindness and truth. Say this with me. Keeping mercy and loving kindness for thousands. You can stop there. Wow. All this came at what we could consider at an encounter at an altar. At this altar that Moses experienced the mercy of God. He goes on and if you look at verse 9, it says, And he said, If now I have found favor and loving kindness in your sight, O Lord, let the Lord, I pray you, go in the midst of us. Although it is a stiff-necked people, pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for yourself. And the Lord said, Behold, I lay down a fresh the terms of mutual agreement between Israel and me, a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels. I will do marvels and wonders and miracles such have not been wrought, uh, wrought or created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people whom you shall see the work of the Lord, for it is a terrible thing. Uh, meaning fearful or full of awe that I will do this to you. Meaning, meaning it is an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing that as I show with my mercy, you will see miracles. You will see wonders that have not been wrought in any nation. Amen. You see, at places, at a place where an altar is, or when you have an encounter at the altar, significant things happen. Now let's go to Romans chapter 12. So in this place of mercy, God has said, I will do wonders among you that haven't been seen in any nation. Romans chapter 12, and I know this is a familiar scripture. Altar, a place of mercy. Thank you, Father. Now, a lot of times we'll read the last half of verse 1, but we don't really understand the first part of Romans 1. You know, I, you know, a lot of times we would read, you know, I present my body as a living sacrifice, right? Holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is my reasonable service or my spiritual worship, right? You, we, we know that part of the scripture, but, but have you meditated on the first part of the scripture? What does it say? Look, look, look at verse 1. I beseech you. I beseech you. Meaning this is I implore you. I beg you. I, meaning you've got to understand this, Kermit. You need to get a hold of this, Jim. This is so important. I beseech you. Stop. Pay attention to this because this is of the utmost importance to your life. What does he say? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God... That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Amplified says, I appeal, appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and I beg of you in view of all the mercies of God. 
to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all the members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable spiritual worship. In view of all the mercies of God. So we could, we could read the scripture like this. Present your body as a living sacrifice because it's in that you will experience all the mercies of God. It's on the other side of you presenting your life as a sacrifice that you will now receive all the mercies of God. See, presenting your life before God opens you up to all the mercy that's available, all the mercies that he has. And the mercy is his goodness. The mercy is found in his miracles. The mercy, his mercy, his mercy. This is God's heart after you and I, that as we submit to him, we are now partakers of his mercy. His mercy. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 13. We present our bodies as living. I'm so grateful that you didn't have to bring. I'm so grateful that you didn't have to bring and I didn't have to bring a bull today. I'm so grateful that, 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 um, I mean, we don't have sheep lined up outside. Aren't you? But the question is, did you bring yourself as a sacrifice? Hallelujah. Hebrews 13. Thank you, Lord. Let's look at verse 9. It says, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it's a good thing. Actually, let's look at verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it's a good thing that the heart be established with grace. Not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Verse 10. We have an altar. Can you say that with me? We have an altar. Wow. We have an altar. Then it says, whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts or animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Okay, I'm just doing a little bit of teaching here, okay? What I want you to see is is there was two things that were happening in Exodus chapter 40. One, you had the altar outside the tent. That was for the sacrifice of sin. And then you had the altar of incense. And that is where you worship God and you would get into God's presence. Now, I want you to see what Jesus is establishing is, is understanding that Jesus is our altar. 
Jesus was the sacrifice that happened outside of the altar. And he's also the altar, the offering that also he stood before the Ark of the Covenant. And he poured out his blood on the mercy seat so we could obtain mercy. You see, this is what he's saying here. We have an altar. And he said, saying in the Old Testament, according to animals, they couldn't be, they, they couldn't be partakers of that. But we have an altar. We have an altar. And verse 13 says, let us go forward there unto him without. Meaning, we go unto him for the forgiveness of sins. And then it says in verse 14, it says, verse 15 says, by him, by him. He's still referring to the altar. He is our altar. Jesus has become our altar. He's become our sacrifice for sin. And he has also become our access to, to the Father. Therefore, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, we can come boldly to the throne of grace, right? We have access, right? We are, we are now citizens, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What is, what is Ephesians 2? But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, right? Hallelujah. So it's because of what Jesus has established. He was not only the high priest, but he was also the sacrificial lamb. We have an altar today. My question, have you surrendered to Jesus? Have you surrendered to that altar? Because it's only surrendering to that altar that you can now receive the mercy. God's mercy. We have an altar. We have an altar. And at that altar, we find mercy. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Thank you, Father. His mercy. So remember when Moses surrendered to God, it caused God, Moses to then see the mercy of God. He said, I will show mercy to whom I show mercy. He goes, I will, I will show this mercy and this mercy, this loving kindness to a thousands that, that because of that, there will be marvels, things that nations haven't even seen. And we have an altar. It says, by him, we have this as we worship him. Thank you, Father. Mm. That's where I need to begin here. Let's look at verse 12. But when Jesus heard that he said unto them, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that mean, meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, I don't have a whole lot of time to unpack that. What I want you to receive from here is when he says, For I am not come to call the righteous. Meaning, I'm not here to minister to people that don't want me. Meaning it's not talking about, it's not talking about he, he didn't come for the righteous, meaning, meaning people that thought they were righteous, meaning they don't have need of anything else because they're right. 
Now, we know all humanity was unrighteous, right? But Jesus says, I'm not here for the person that doesn't need me. I'm here for the person that needs a covering. I didn't hear, come to call the righteous, but I come to call the sinner. The word sinner there, those that have missed the mark, meaning those that, that don't have a covering. This, this is why I'm here. Verse 14, and says, then came to him the disciples of John saying, why do, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but the disciples don't fast? And Jesus said, can the children of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the day will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast. No man puts a piece of new cloth on an old garment, for that which is put, in, put into it will fill it up and takes from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break and the wine runs out and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles and both are preserved. What's Jesus trying to establish here? Just very simple. I know it's kind of, kind of confusing, but what is Jesus trying to say here? He is saying, you can't receive new revelation with an old mindset. You can't receive new things if you see, see that the, the Pharisees were having a hard time understanding what was being said because it didn't make sense to them. They, they had a hard time with this concept and Jesus was saying, hey, hey, it's not like it used to be. He was coming to them with something new and they had to come with a new thought process. There's so much more I could say with that, but let's look at verse 18. While he spoke these things unto them. Now, this is all still part of the same, what I want us to see this morning. While he spoke these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler. Now, remember, he's dealing with, he's dealing with the disciples of John, and he's dealing with the Pharisees. He's dealing with them. So, so while he spoke these things unto them, there came a certain ruler. So here, all those other people are present. All those other people are hearing. And, and you know what I want you to see is mercy is available to them. The wonders of God are available to them. The, the power of God is available to them. But while he spoke these things to them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him. Saying, my daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her and she shall live. You see, when they came to the altar, who was Jesus? When they came, when he came, when this ruler came to Jesus, what happened? Mercy moved. Mercy moved. Let's, let's keep looking at this. And the disciples arose and followed him, and, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood for 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I but touch his garment, I shall be made whole. If I just touch the altar, I shall be made whole. 
But Jesus turned him about and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that very hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said to them, Give place for the maid is not dead but sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand and the maid arose. And the, and the fame whereof went abroad unto all the land. And when Jesus departed there... Two blind men followed him crying and saying, Thou son of David, what? Have mercy on us. And when he was come near the house. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Believe you that I'm able to do this. And they said to him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, according to your faith, be it done unto thee. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, see that no man know it. What do we see here? We see here he's talking about, he's talking about that the difference between righteous and the sinner. On a new mindset. And he, all of a sudden he goes in and talks about these three different, these three different people that are showing aspects of worship. Coming to the altar. Coming to the altar. Woman with the issue of blood. She came to mercy and was made whole. The two blind men cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And they were made whole. You see, when we come to the altar, mercy will make you whole. The mercy. Some of you have heard my testimony and won't go into in great detail, but I remember in my sister's living room that wasn't at an altar of a church or kneeling at a bench. But yet that place at that moment became my altar because I came to Jesus. I came to Jesus and when I came to Jesus... I've received mercy. Every time we come to the altar and we bring our surrender before God, something significant took place. In those three instances, when those three people came to or called upon Jesus, something significant took place. Let's go to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Thank you, Father. An altar. James chapter 5. Verse 11. It says, Behold, we count them happy which endured. You ha- ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord. That the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Why do, why do I bring this out this morning? It says you've seen the patience of Job. 
You ever read Job? (laughs) Wow, what a story. And, but more importantly, we've seen the Lord's end for Job. That on the other side of the storms that Job went through, on the other side of what he experienced, the other side of, uh, of what he was going through, I want you to see that the Lord had a better end for him. I mean, I look in my own life that, 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 that as, as 19, 20 years of age, being far from God, yet knowing God, that no matter what I did or, or where, what, I, what, I went, what I was doing, there was still something on the inside of me that was saying there's something more than the way I'm living right now. There's something greater than what, I've, what, what, I'm, what I'm doing, this, this life I'm living, this, this life I'm living for self, this life that I'm only living for my enjoyment, my pleasure, what I want, and, 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 re, and rebellious to this and rebellion to that. And, and yet deep down on the inside of me, there was nothing that was satisfied. See, Job was at a place that, and, and, and things get, get getting worse and worse and worse. And, and it says it wasn't until Job prayed for his friends. It wasn't until Job put down his way of victory to embrace God's way of victory that now Job could step in to the Lord's end. And so often we're wanting a better end, but we haven't come to the altar. We want a better outcome, but have we come to the altar Throughout my life, I was resisting the altar. And please, when I hear that, I'm not talking about just a religious uh, furnishing here. But I'm talking about my heart resisted what God was desiring to do in my life. Because I truly couldn't see the, 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 the God's ability on the other side of me, other side of where I was at. And I wrote this down because of his mercy, your end will be far greater than your beginning. I mean, that's what it says. We count them happy, which endured. You've heard the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is pitiful and of tender mercy. The Amplified says, you know how we call those blessed who were steadfast, who endured. You have heard the endurance of Job and you've seen the Lord's purpose and how he richly blessed him in the end. Insomuch as the Lord is full of pity and compassion and tender, tenderness and mercy. You see, it's on the other side of this mercy. I'm telling you that your end will be far greater than your beginning. But the issue is, have we come to the altar? The altar. It's a place of mercy. I don't know. I, I like, I like, I bet you, but I liked how the mercy of God moved in Job's life. Amen. The mercy of God. Think about it. He ended up with twice as much. And beforehand, he was already the richest man in the East. But it was when he surrendered when he surrendered to God that the mercy was able to move and so often we're a lot of times we're waiting for things to be fixed in our lives but all he's wanting you is to come to the altar 
come to the altar. Come to the altar. And that can happen down in front of a church. It can happen on the side of your bed. It can happen, it, it can happen uh, out with friends. It can be out. I mean, I remember, I remember even being doing things that I didn't know, knew I shouldn't be doing. But yet, even in that moment, the Holy Spirit was working and moving. Yes. Calling, leading, drawing. And deep down the inside of me, no matter how far away I seem to be stepping, I know the love of God was calling me. All he was waiting for me was to surrender. So as we begin this series this morning, I I want that established in your heart. No matter what different aspect of altars we talk about, understanding that altars are a place of mercy. 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 Son of David, have mercy on me. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy that's moving in this place today. Because of mercy, Father, I thank you that our end will be far greater than our beginning. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you for renewing our mind, Father. Father, this morning, just as the Apostle Paul prayed, I pray over each one of us, Father. I beseech you, therefore, because of all the mercies of God, all the mercies of God that we would present ourselves as living sacrifices. Thank you, Father, for mercy. Hallelujah. Just right where you're standing. Make where you're standing an altar. Thank you, Father. We have an altar. Thank you, Father. We have an altar. The days and weeks and months ahead, I I want even the, the front of this church to be Sanctified and set apart to be an altar. But realize that we have an altar, and that altar is Him, is Jesus. Father, I thank you for mercy. Thank you for mercy today. Mercy. Thank you, Father. 
you for your mercy. Yielded hearts. your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. Think of Jairus. He came to mercy, received mercy, and his end was far greater than his present. The woman with issue of blood, when she came to that altar who was mercy, her end was far greater than her present. Those two blind men that came said, Son of David, have mercy on me. And they came to him who is our altar. Their end was far greater than their beginning. And today I stand before you as a living testimony that when I came to him, the altar, I received mercy. And I'm so grateful. I'm so farther along than where I was. I've seen him move mightily in my life. I'm so, no one can talk me out of it that through a life of surrender at the altar, that God will bring forth something significant. And as we as a body, as a people, step into surrender, we will see great significance in our lives and through our lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. It's not about earning anything from God. It's not about earning miracles. It's not about earning a calling or a purpose, but it's living a life of surrender. And it's living this lifestyle of surrender that the mercy of God is always working and flowing through us. 
And I declare that your end, as we surrender as a body, a church, that our end is going to be far greater than our beginning. We live in such a society where we don't know what it means to be submitted to authority, submitted to uh, um, different aspects, and, and, and because of that, it, 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 it even, even moves in our relationship with God that we refuse to surrender areas that need to be surrendered. But as we surrender, oh, we will see great significance. Hallelujah. Not about you, but I, I want to step into a greater level of surrender. A greater level of surrender in my life. How about you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, take us higher in you. Thank you, Father, for the work that you began in us. I thank you for that work that you're completing. I thank you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. I speak God's mercy for every person in this place watching online. Mercy. That God's mercy would manifest. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you receive this word this morning? Give him a shout of praise for his word. Amen. Thank you, Father.